Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. We have the lovely Emma Harris uh, with us this morning. Please give her a round of applause. Oh, everyone got up there. <laughs> Not just Emma. What are we all doing? <laughs> Emma is uh, preaching here this morning, which is incredible. Emma is a good friend of mine. She is full of wisdom and good fun and real honesty. That's what you will get from Emma in a conversation is good honesty. But Emma is preaching this morning, and I just want to pray with her as she comes to, to teach us. Yeah, Heavenly Father, we, um, we welcome your presence here in this room. Father, we ready our hearts to um, open them to what it is that you have to say to us. And Father, we pray for the words that Emma has um, mulled over, that she's prayed over, that she has written, that you might be amplified and glorified here in this place. But we open our hearts to listen to what it is that she has to say, the things that she has learned. We praise you and thank you for this amazing woman. Would you bless her as she preaches? Amen. definitely more of you here for this service. I was saying we always sit at the back, so I'm used to seeing the back of everybody's head, but you're all very lovely from the front as well. Um, But yes, if we haven't met before, my name is Emma. I am married to the very lovely Andy Harris. And yes. (laughs) Um, We've been coming, we've been a part of LVV now for over six years. Didn't think that I would be standing up here by myself at the front, but here we are, and today I have the very lovely privilege of talking to you about love, and specifically how we must resist hate. We're about halfway through this series, focusing on the practice of Jesus, the practice of Jesus and how we can practically apply those to our lives. If you hadn't listened to the series before, I would encourage you to go do that. I have personally found the walk this, um, what do you call that? What was that stepping into new ground? And the Walking with Jesus series is before this really, really helpful. Because um, I, think, I think we think we're supposed to have it all figured out in life. Like we know the crack. We know that resting is good. We know the hungering for the things of Jesus. Yet yeah, we love that. So why aren't we perfect already if we know all there is to make us perfect? Are we missing a step or did we read it wrong? I think we come in on a Sunday and we listen and we think, yes, that's what I want for my life. How do I get there? So we go into Monday at like 100 miles an hour, try and get everything done. And we're burnt out by Wednesday, forgetting where we were headed and what was the purpose in the first place. I think we feel like we failed. And when we feel like we fail, what's the point in trying again if we're only going to fail again? This Walk This Way series is about implementing practical tools into our lives that help us continually walk towards Jesus. Not getting there in 24 hours, but involving him in all the areas of our life. Someone told me one time that you don't talk about something until you're through it, until you've learned everything from it. But if that was the case, it would be empty up here on a Sunday because none of us have it all figured out. This is my first time. Well, second time if you include this morning up here, so I definitely don't have it all figured out. But one thing I'd maybe like to remind us of before we get stuck in to the super easy topic of love is the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. 
Before we jump into our teaching text, I want to quickly look at Matthew 26. It'll be brief, so don't worry about turning. In Matthew 26, it's the run-up to the crucifixion, and we read how Jesus is telling Peter that he will deny him. And Peter's response is, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Then a few um, verses later in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus says to Peter and the other disciples, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus goes to pray and each time he returns, he finds them sleeping. Peter has just claimed to be willing to die for Jesus. And even though he can clearly see how troubled Jesus is here, he still can't stay awake. Jesus' response to him is watch and pray so you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. On your own, you cannot do this. Your flesh is weak. Instead, pray, seek God, and he will help you resist the temptation of sleep. For me, I find this super helpful because it allows me to breathe a little, realizing that, okay, maybe actually I can't be perfect. We've been talking for months about dependence of God, that we are designed to be dependent on him. And when we intentionally choose to walk with him, those things that seem impossible for us are made possible through him. So speaking of impossible, we're gonna turn to Matthew chapter five and look at love. So we're looking at Matthew 5, starting chapter in verse 38. So if you have a black Bible near you, grab that. It's page 674. Sorry, this is really noisy, but that glass of water's been sitting there for a few hours now, so I thought I'd bring my water up with me. So Matthew 5, 38. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Or not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So love your enemies. It's something we have heard numerous times, but I don't know about you, I wouldn't really look at my life and classify anyone as an enemy. It's not really a word that I would use. So does that mean this verse does not apply to me? I mean, that would be fab. But it's maybe helpful to rephrase that slightly to love the people that do your head in. Lauren did an amazing job last week talking to us about love. 
and loving God, putting him first in our lives and how that pours out into our lives and the way we love other people. So I'd really encourage you to go back and listen to that. Lauren kind of allowed me to cut a little bit out of my talk as well so that I didn't keep you here all day. So that was fab. I feel like it's impossible to talk about love without talking about grace. Even the people we love most in the world need our grace because let's be honest, people do our heads in. Unintentionally, next sentence. If you know my husband, Andrew. (laughs) Sorry, love. (laughs) If you know him well, you'll know that he's not the most patient human at times. If he wants something done, he wants it done now. And unfortunately for him, he is married to a serial procrastinator. He'll look out the window, he's been cutting the hedges the day before, he'll look out the window and see bits that he's missed. And he'll come and he'll ask me if I can help him reach them. So for anyone who doesn't know, Andy's a wheelchair user, so there are just elements of the garden that he can't reach. So if I don't help him, he doesn't get to do it. But sometimes, most of the time, I say no. Um, I'm currently in the middle of doing this, don't really want to go cut hedges because it means the cleanup and that's the worst part. Um, So let's plan that, like we'll look at that, we'll plan that for another day, great idea. So next thing I see is mum who's just dropped off something for us outside trimming the hedges whilst Andy works in the clear up. Now if I'm perfectly honest, the thing that I've been doing is catching up on something that I've missed in the TV. So there's my mother-in-law looking in at me with my tea and my chocolate while she's out helping her wee son who's been abandoned by his wife. (laughs) So yes, sometimes I need a little extra grace to love him in those moments. And he definitely needs grace for me when I procrastinate my life away and make, um, give off at him for making me look bad in front of his mum. As if she doesn't know the crack already. And can I just say, I had very, lots of examples for that. For Andrew, kept giving me examples every day of how I need a grace. <laughs> so that's just the one we picked. <laughs> so we naturally give out these little snippets of grace and forgiveness in our everyday lives to the people that we love. We resist the urge to store up any wrongdoings or feel hatred towards them. That's kind of the easy part, isn't it? We're okay with loving the people and giving grace to the people that we already love. We understand them, so when they do wrong against us, we can say, we know they're dealing with this, or they've been so good to us in the past, and ultimately, it's just not that hard to choose love. But what about the people in our lives who we, who make things difficult (laughs) and we struggle to love. It seems like they're out to test us at every possible moment. Maybe they've really hurt us, selfishly choosing their own interests at the expense of ours. People who you physically have no more grace left for, they have used it all up. I struggle to use the word hate because it's all, we've always been told it's a very strong word and we don't allow our children to use that word. But I think when we really look at it, we all have varying degrees of hatred in our hearts. Maybe nobody knows about it, or maybe it's actually pouring out of us because we are so hurt. 
Hate, dislike, bitterness, jealousy, however you want to label it, is a barrier to love. It stops us from loving the people that do wrong by us and allows us to lose our saltiness. In verse 13 in that same chapter, in Matthew 5, you're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So there are two things I would like us to look at today. I believe we could probably do a whole series on this topic of love, but apparently I have a time limit, so I am gonna try and be brief. Number one, how do we resist hate when it seems to be our natural response, the way the world is telling us to act? And two, how do we forgive when it really hurts? We are currently living in a world that through its attempt to become more loving is more often than not responding in hate. By trying to evoke change, which is primarily positive, anyone who doesn't fall exactly in line with the same beliefs, will they get cancelled? I firmly believe that we are losing our right and opinion and people are scared to voice theirs for fear of being called out and cancelled. The reality is that no two of us are the same and we are going to respond differently in life. So how do we resist hate when it seems to be our natural response? My friends will tell you that I can be that annoying person that sometimes tries to see things from the other person's point of view. Do you know when you're just like absolutely raging about something and you go to rant or vent and someone goes, oh, but you don't know what they're thinking. I can see someone looking at me right now who knows exactly what I'm talking about. When it's the other way around and it's me, I just want you to say, oh, no way, they didn't. They did not do that. Now, I think it's important to note that if someone's telling you their own experience of hurt and injustice, you cannot argue with that. We need to be able to say, I'm so sorry that's happened to you. That wasn't okay. But I do also believe that God is calling us to respond with love. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. For some of us in this room, I feel like we have things that we are holding on to, and if we are honest with ourselves, we don't need to be. Someone has told us that we should not accept that kind of behavior, and we have said, okay, I won't. We've responded in the way of the world and not in the way of Jesus. For those of us in that position, I think it's time to look at that in our lives and choose to change our response, even to the small and somewhat trivial issues. That may be a disagreement with someone that you can see in this room right now. We'll look a little practically at how we do that in a minute, but I think it's important to say that we're not talking about weakness here. We're not talking about letting people walk all over us. It's just about our response. There are some of you in here who have every reason to feel the hatred in your hearts, but there is strength in choosing how we react in these situations. And Jesus is calling us to have a posture of love. 
the bigger question really, how do we forgive when it really hurts? I'm not talking about hurting your ego or stomping on your pride here. I'm talking about that deep-rooted pain in your chest kind of unforgiveness that you've been carrying with you. You can't even say that person's name. It hurts so much. I sat in this room at the start of 2020 and listened to the words in Matthew that told me I needed to love and pray for those who persecuted me. I knew at that time that I had that deep-rooted pain in my chest kind of unforgiveness. I tried to address this previously at a healing conference we had here early in 2019. Found out it's not always an instant thing. At this point in life, I felt like I was pushing towards Jesus in any way I could, and I was honestly floored when I heard. I'm sorry, I'm not emotional, I've just lost my place. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. I mean, no, I've still lost it, but anyway, I was floored when I heard that, right? Okay. Um, when I heard that salt that has lost its saltiness is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Was my worship to Jesus just useless if I was carrying unforgiveness in my heart? And how could I actually change that? I wanted nothing more than just to flick a switch and be able to forgive. But although my spirit is willing, my flesh is weak. My family had been dealt a huge big pile of injustice and I couldn't handle it. If it's helpful for those of you right now who feel this deep in your chest, I am not here to say that after two years I have forgiven this person. Admittedly, I am not there yet, but I have implemented some helpful things into my life that are getting me closer to that point. As a follower of Jesus, I long to be able to wholeheartedly say that I have chosen forgiveness, but my flesh is weak. I am walking that way intentionally. There's been a, there has been huge progress. Some days it's there and then I look sometimes and it, within months I've moved about an inch. But wherever you are on that journey is not what matters. It's where you're heading. It's what you are striving to. Are you pushing towards Jesus, asking him, what do you see and what do you say about my life. I'm also not here to get us off the hook either. If you look up forgiveness in the Bible, it's mentioned a lot. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you in Colossians 3:13. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven in Luke 6, 37. I could go on, that list is long. It is very clear 
that God is calling us into forgiveness, to loving the people that do our heads in and responding in the way of the kingdom rather than the way of the world. It is not possible for us to love the way we are called to if we have this hatred, whatever the degree of that is, in our hearts. It's not possible because hate is a barrier to love. So how do we get rid of that and how do we push towards Jesus? So three things. Firstly, give it over to Jesus. Just as we read at the beginning, our flesh is weak. Pray to avoid giving in to temptation. You can actively pray for forgiveness and ask the Holy Spirit to intervene with what you cannot manage on your own. Remember, we are to be dependent on Jesus, so let's talk to him. Tell him how you feel. Pick up a physical posture within your body, whether that be kneeling before him, holding out your hands, to give it to him, something physical to align with the willingness of your spirit. For me, that has been practicing the phrase, I forgive. Saying that might not make it true, but it helps. And it gets you further along the road. Maybe one day you can say that. Secondly, we are to pray for those that persecute us. We have already read this today, but Jesus is giving us the answer in Matthew 5. It can really hurt. <laughs> you can start small, but pray for those you struggle with and watch as the Holy Spirit softens your heart towards them. I was challenged a couple of months ago on a Sunday evening, and he asked us to get up, and while the blessing, we were singing the blessing, he asked us to pray that over Vladimir Putin and the Russian army. That was difficult. But the Holy Spirit was so present and so powerful, and that is how we change our response. I have personally found that's really helpful and I have taken that away as a prayer for whenever I don't have the words myself. It's also maybe practical for you to think about your own life and think about the things that you pray for for yourself and pray that over the person, the people, the situations that you're in. That could be for family health, for joy, for happiness, whatever that may be. And then the final thing that has helped me massively, it's easier said than done, took a while, um, I've tried to accept God's own grace in my life. There was a period of a few months where he would continually say to me, you know I love you, Emma. People who didn't know me came up during worship sessions and said, God wants you to know he loves you. There's also a time here during the prophetic conference in March 2020 we got into groups of about seven or eight, and we walked around and prophesied over one another. It was like a practical training type thing. I listened as every single person told me the same thing, just in different ways. Some even doubted the message, as it seemed so simple. Eh, God loves you, and he also really likes you. When we accept the grace of God in our own lives, we have more grace for the people in ours. So are three things. So we're to give it to Jesus, pray for the ability to love and forgive, pray for those who persecute you, 
find practical ways to be able to do that frequently, like the blessing prayer. Accept the Father's love and grace for your own life and pray for more of that often. I think it's also really helpful to note that forgiveness doesn't mean that the other person's actions are okay. It doesn't mean you need to go and tell that person that they're forgiven. It doesn't mean that you need that relationship back. For some of us, it's taken a really, really long time to get away from those situations. So please do not mishear me to think that there's not a very valid reason for the hurt that you feel in your heart. I'm sure there are many, but unfortunately we are just called to respond differently. It's not me telling you that, it is Jesus telling us here that we are to be salt and light even when we don't want to be. People that are listening to Jesus here in Matthew 5 are living under foreign military occupation. The Roman military have occupied their towns and their cities and can basically command them to do anything that they want. Jesus is saying, if someone stops you and commands you to carry their load for one mile, you go too. You are to respond with the love of Jesus. The people here have suffered greatly. This is not a small thing that Jesus is asking them to do. He is talking to mothers who have lost their children at the hands of these enemies that they're being called to love. He is not asking us to love and forgive because it's a nice thing to do. The reason God cares about your forgiving is because he values your freedom. If you have hatred and unforgiveness in your heart, you cannot be free. Forgiveness can set you free and God cares more about your freedom than your comfort. If the band wanna come on up, we are Gonna look, gonna go into a bit of a time now of response. I am just gonna explain how this is gonna work. Um, we don't have a time of response to manufacture some kind of moment, but actually the Holy Spirit is working in this room and he has been working in this room this morning and he wants us to move to step forward on that road closer to him, no matter the distance that we go. So what that's gonna look like is we have just talked about our three practical things, so we're gonna get practical. And they are to help us to move towards forgiveness. So in a minute, you can come forward for prayer. You can kneel at the front. You can do that where you are. You may be sitting. You can simply place your hands out in front of you or over your heart, but I encourage you to change your posture in some way. For those of you at home, I was thinking about you this morning when I was talking to you and you weren't even listening because there was no cameras on. Don't know if anyone picked that up, <laughs> but <laughs> realized that <laughs> a few minutes ago. You can join in too. So wherever you are, if you want to kneel or raise your hands, I normally catch up while I'm driving, so... If that's you, you can catch up again later on. I think it's easy for us in this room to think that we'll go home and we'll do that later. 
But the reality is, distraction will come. And right now, God is asking us to change our response. And we cannot miss that. This is a practical way of journeying further down that road. You don't need to feel an overwhelming feeling right now to respond. This is a choice. So to recap our three things. Right now, we are praying for the ability to love and forgive, asking for the help of the Holy Spirit, maybe even attempting to say those words, I forgive. We are praying for those who persecute us. The beautiful thing here is that Alex texted me this week to say that they had chosen the blessing for this time. So if you do not have your own words, during this song, raise your hands and pray that over the people in your lives. And finally, we are praying to experience more of God's love in our own lives. And if we are people who are pushing towards us, towards us, towards Jesus, then this should be something that we are constantly longing for. If everyone wants to stand. Holy Spirit, I just welcome you into this room tonight, to this morning. And I thank you for the work that you've already been doing here, God. And we just ask for more. We just ask that you prepare our hearts right now, God, for what it is you want to say to us. Holy Spirit, come. So our prayer ministry team are about. When we start this song, that's your chance. You can come forward. You can kneel where you are. You can change your posture and choose this moment to re-look at that in your lives. So now is time for us to come. You come forward to that. You're allowed to move.